So today, we're going to talk about consumer startups and the triggers that create scale. So with so much of uh, entrepreneurship, startup activity, one thing that really stands out, everybody wants to know what are the tactics, what are the things that you need to do to make a consumer startup tick. And let's face it, in the modern world, if you are in the consumer technology space, app stores are pretty much your pantheon of promise or failure. With millions of apps taking prior place among billions of smartphones in the world, if your idea does not make it to the top 10 list of the app stores, it's pretty much not going to make it in the long run. But then, what are the reasons that make a consumer app successful these days? Is there a science to it? Or is it like box office? Where you never know which movie will be a hit until it is released and survives the first Friday. Well, I think there is a bit of both. But one thing that is absolutely critical about consumer apps is that they require phenomenal scale and growth in a very small amount of time. Scale that cannot be brought by marketing, PR and paid media alone. And scale that cannot be managed by distribution alone. This scale can only be created if consumers feel an inherent organic reason to want to use the product and keep using it many times a day. At the same time, it has to appeal to the consumers of different age groups, across different cultures, across different languages, different needs and different economic standings. And that is incredibly difficult. How can you as a builder find inherent human reasons that resonate equally across so many diverse parameters at the same time which your product can solve for. The answer to this of course is by creating a product that delivers ongoing repeat value to customers of all types across all demographics whereby they feel compelled to use it and tell others about it. Once you've had that early momentum, marketing, sales and PR can help you get over the line. But how do you find the reasons that make them want to use it in the first place? While there is no exact science to this, if we see the successful consumer apps of today, there are some consistent parameters that we can learn from and use those learnings to build our solutions once we have identified a problem large enough to solve for. And here are some of those observations and learnings. The question, does your product solve an existing problem in a better way? It doesn't mean that there are no solutions for it, there are, but is your solution a better one than the existing solutions that people have available for them in today's age? And this one is easier because you do not have to define the problem or find a reason. Those are already there and you already know the market potential. You also know what the solution is. You just need to find a way to make the experience better, easier, cheaper and or faster. And once you've been able to do that, then you need to find your first cohort of early adopters and rabid users who find that newer experience of solving an older problem like a breath of fresh air. And then they jump ship. And if that early momentum is high, then those early adopters create enough advocacy that influences a lot of other people to jump ship as well. And then, and then your product becomes like a swing state on election day final count, right? And none of this is easy. But your focus just needs to be on the creation of a more valuable experience. The early growth that is required 
to advocate for this valuable experience and then having a solid marketing sales push to scale to that growth. So that's number one. Number two, does your product help in creating or promoting social status? And this one's pretty important these days. Social status is one of the primary inherent drivers of human psyche. Being social animals and being part of the societal fabric, social status is something we are attuned to and aspire from, from our childhood. Earlier, this was confined to in-person cultural situations and context. These days, it has expanded to our online virtual selves where we have the ability to extend our sphere of influence beyond in-person relationships to hundreds of additional online distributed relationships and that can be either for work or for leisure. The internet classically leveraged our inherent need to be social and find social acceptance and gave it phenomenal scale by expanding the total addressable market that we as individuals could attempt to influence. The whole concept of followers came from this. It stemmed from our inherent vanity to feel important that X number of people follow me, that is, find me important enough to listen to, and that listening could be to what we are posting, tweeting, saying, and so on. And once this reason of feeling socially important was identified as a powerful inherent organic habit driver, successful entrepreneurs just had to build products and features that allowed this to happen easily and more importantly, frictionlessly. By removing barriers of entry, democratizing access and scaling everyone's inherent creative ability to create content, successful consumer apps went on to create a new breed of socially important class of people who did not exist a decade ago. And these are the influencers, the digital nomads, the creators, and you hear about them all the time today, right? And as millions watch from the sidelines, many of us want the same. So networks have become important. The need for more followers has become more important. The number of followers, likes, shares, etc. has become so much more important that these are social status signals in real life as well. So while we worked hard to improve our social acceptance, the algorithms are the ones that are now taking care of the promotion. Your content, your followers, your engagement. But likes, followers and shares are not the only way social status can be created or promoted. If your product can create other kinds of social statuses, albeit in a busier way, which people inherently care about, it has every chance to be successful and at scale. Well, people care immensely about how they feel and what makes them feel good about themselves, right? So people will change habits, products, brands, and incumbents, even if they experience a tiny improvement in that feel-good quotient. Which brings me to my third observation, that is, to enable all this, people need to be able to find other new people easily with whom they can try to extend their spirit of influence. So then, does your product create serendipity? And why serendipity is important? Serendipity is important because serendipity makes life exciting. It has the promise of the unknown and the power of a law. It also gives us access to people and incidents we didn't really believe we have access to. Human beings by nature need the comfort of the known and the excitement of the unknown. Boredom with status quo is a primary driver for this. Two decades ago, our ability to access was limited. Well, now the internet has kind of solved this. 
Now, literally everyone is accessible. You slide onto the DMs of people, famous celebrities, and well, you're in contact with them. And to add to that, now the sophisticated algorithms have gone one step further. They can connect us to people who are actually like us, who like the same music we do, or the same pictures we do, or the same political viewpoint we have. A slew of consumer products have given us this rare privilege of building our own virtual communities comprising of people who are outside our immediate first degree of networks but are very much like us, right? And who we inspire to be like. And they have traits that we are interested in. It is classic serenity with a splash of dopamine. It's easy, it's relatively effort-free and it has a real-time self-validation loop. It is like dopamine and validation on tap. However, we've not exhausted all the ways of servicing serendipity. If your product can allow people to find access to people in different niches to whom they would never have access to otherwise, it has all the chances of being widely successful. Well, if it's not easy but doable, as long as your product makes it frictionless to find new people, connect, engage, and then deepen that engagement over time, if required. And this brings me to my final observation. All engagements are some form of transaction, and we eventually get bored of engagements which don't return us some form of tangible value that actually matters to us. So then, does your product help people earn value? Now, value is a subjective proposition. Value can be financial, access, knowledge, power, love, and so on. It depends on the time, context, and obviously on the individuals involved. We will truly quit dating apps that don't land us dates, writing apps that don't land us writing gigs, learning platforms that don't land us jobs, and create a platform that don't allow us to earn money. That's the fundamental truth. The more value we get, it can be job, it can be dates, it can be money, the more we will use these platforms the more compounded will be the impact and more will be the growth in valuation of these companies. A great relatively old school example is Apple's you know, App Store. From 2008 to 2021, Apple has paid developers $200 billion in payouts. That's a freaking incredible amount of money. Now, since Apple has its closed ecosystem and millions of users, developers find it easy and motivating to create for iOS and the Mac platforms. It is guaranteed money if they can create a hit. They don't need to worry about distribution or platform, so they keep coming back and keep building applications because the relationship is symbiotic and tangible. It is actually value-driven. And if you look into new age products and platforms, let's talk about TikTok, right? TikTok has a $200 million creator fund just to pay video creators who are creating great content. Or Medium, which is a partner program for writers to earn. Or Substack which is a paid newsletter version. The more engaging the video, the more exciting the content, the more creators will earn. The more they will keep coming back to the same platform as long as a platform can keep expanding their reach and increase their earnings potential. But truly, if you look into it, we are really at the seed stage of the D2C influencer creator trend. As creators with niche expertise expand, their connected communities of loyal paying customers, there are enormous opportunities to explore in this value game. As payments decentralize, as technology opens incumbents, uh, value will have different definitions and methods of di distribution. Let's take into account Austin Alred's you know, Lambda School or Seth Godin's Alt MBA. 
These are alternative schools which have shot into prominence and gained massive scale in no time because their value was associated with job creation. Their PR and communications were drilled right down to this aspect. So as long as you can find a way to align growth and value creation for consumers with increasing time spent on your product, there is every opportunity that your product can be the next viral hit on the App Store chart. What are the consumer triggers of scale? We talked about number one, does your product solve an existing problem, but in a better way? Number two, does your product help in creating or promoting social status? Number three, does your product create serendipity? And number four, does your product help people earn value? That's it for today. Catch you on the next episode.